Hello, and welcome to the Why We Still Believe podcast. I'm your host, Michaela, and first off, I have to say so sorry for the break in between with the holidays, getting a new position at work, and getting a dog. I just had to kind of reorganize some things, but back now, and I'm so excited to have the youngest of the clan joining us, Matthew. Yes, he has three older sisters and is the youngest one out of us, and we just adore him, and we love look to him a lot. Matthew is currently going to school at Brigham Young University, Idaho, studying mechanical engineering. He just finished an internship with Polaris in Minnesota. He served a full-time mission in Jackson, Mississippi. He's a lover of politics, working on cars, and sports. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Very good to be here. Yay! (laughs) So, like I had mentioned, you have served a mission in Jackson, Mississippi. Will you give us kind of a little bit of background on that and what that was like? Oh, well, the Mississippi-Jackson mission, it was wonderful. I had a a great time. Probably the hardest thing that I've done and everything, but definitely one of the most rewarding things I have also ever done. I I really loved it. I loved meeting with people and talking about their testimonies that they have and their belief that they have in Christ. You know, it's very Christian down in the South and uh, you have the Bible belt down there and uh, everyone has a story that they they were on to share. And it's, it was amazing being able to hear all that and the miracles that I was able to see the baptisms that I was able to have while I was there. And I, I loved it. It definitely grew my testimony a lot. And it was, it was one of the greatest, the greatest two years of my life. Yeah, so we hear that a lot, like the mission is two of the greatest years that somebody can have experienced, but you had also mentioned that it was also the hardest. What would you say would make the almost the hardest two years as well? I think when I say that it's the hardest two years that I have, I think because, you know, you have investigators, um, some that are really promising and they're really doing great and you are so excited to set them with the baptism date and you think everything will go over smoothly and then all of a sudden like out of the blue one day you'll get a call or whatever from them and they'll say well you know i talked with i talked with my brother my my cousin or whatever and they decided and like they told me about the church and they they tell them all these lies about Mm. the church and everything and uh and then they'll say like hey well i don't want to continue this anymore and then they they drop us and that that's really hard and that's really difficult also i think uh riding a bike and (laughs) uh you know going from door to door and knocking on doors you know like if that's what we i'm willing to do it if that's what it takes to find investigators and to you know help people out and to bring the gospel into people's lives i'm willing to do that but it it stinks like it's it's a it's a rough time and everything just to always be riding your bike so i think in that way it was it was definitely one of the hardest two years of my life just because of the heartbreaks that you have from people that you love uh dropping you and then like humidity in the south and riding a bike all, all the time right. is just crazy and right. stuff and, th- and there are there are like some days where you're just like this whole mission thing like this is hard this this really stinks like i mm-hmm. i hate this i'd rather be home right now chilling with friends or whatever like it's kind of a hard hard time and everything but uh definitely greatest and one of the most rewarding experiences because i found out so much about myself and i learned and i i grew but uh definitely really hard right yeah, so kind of going back a little bit before even going on the mission, 
what made you want to go on the mission? Because you were also in that in-between where it was announced that you could now go at, what is it, 18 yeah, years it was old? 18 for men and it, 19 for women. Yeah, and you decided to go at 18, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were in the middle of that deciding, do I go earlier or later? Um, so what made you decide to even want to serve a mission? And what was the decision or the factors of going at 18 versus 19? To be honest, I think that from the ages of probably when I was deacon, so about like 12 and going to 18, to be honest, there there was a lot of, you know, this is just kind of expected of me. You know, in mm-hmm. the church, young men kind of grow up and in the priesthood, they are they are taught that serving a mission is is a priesthood duty, which which is true. And it's a it's a wonderful duty that we have and a wonderful opportunity. But, yeah, there was a lot of things in my mind like this is just kind of expected of me and everything. So I'm just going to I'll just grit my teeth and I'll do it because it's expected. Um, but when it started to become real, you know, that announcement was made that young men can go at 18 and young women can go at 19. Uh, when it became real like that, I think is when I was just like, oh man, this whole idea of I'll go on a mission because it's expected of me, um, that didn't really play in my, that, that didn't really play in my favor anymore. It didn't really cut it for me. If I was just going to go because I thought it was expected of me, then I, I knew that I wasn't going to, you know, enjoy my time. I wasn't going to share the gospel to the best of my abilities. I just decided that that, that didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. And so that is when I picked up the Book of Mormon and I did studying. I uh, picked up the Bible and I studied that. I studied just the history of the church. Uh, and I studied all this wonderful, amazing things about the church, and it really grew my testimony of the church. And after so long of studying, I did get that drive of, oh, I have this in my life now. And now that I really understand it, I want to share it with other people. And mm-hmm. I want to bring that into their life because it brought me so much joy, so much happiness. It brought my family closer together. Uh, I want other people to have that in their lives. After studying so much and after reading up on the church and really understanding what the church is all about, I really got that testimony and that passion to want to go out and serve the gospel. It, it no longer became like an obligation to me. It became something that I really wanted to do. Okay, so that's like it was something so important to you now and that you saw the blessing and love for it. It was something you really wanted to go and bring into other people's lives. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very, it became very important to me and I wanted it to become important to other people because it has blessed me so much. And I know for your family, it was such a cool opportunity because, you know, we only have a dad who who served a mission and then us girls never served. So you being the youngest, the only boy, our little baby brother, but also the very first and only one going on a mission. It was such a neat experience for your sisters to be able to see you go through the process of receiving the... I received the Melchizedek Melchizedek Priesthood. That was really cool. And then hearing your experiences through your letters and through your phone calls on Mother's Day and Christmas. I also know that to be able to watch you go through the priesthood of being able to uh, give blessings of how neat that was to be able to see you go through those experiences. I just had one little caveat, I guess. It was hard going at 18. Was it? Yeah, it was, it was definitely hard going at 18. I mean, everyone is different and everyone, you know, they go at their own time, their own pace right? and everything. But uh, if I could do it over again, uh, I would definitely say like, you know, maybe I'll just do like a semester of college 
just to get my feet wet with the idea of living out on my own with roommates instead of with the family and stuff. Cause showing up there to my apartment and then just opening my door and then my trainer telling me like, okay, like here it is. And then we just like kind of dropped my bags. And that was just so, that was really difficult. I walked into that apartment and I was just kind of like, man, like, what am I doing? Like, sure. this, is, this is, this is ridiculous. Like I just left home and I just came out and I'm out here trying to preach the gospel. And I, I know not everyone's going to accept me with open arms and everything. Yeah. A lot of people don't like it when you knock up to walk up to their door, knock on it and ask them to change their lifestyle. And it was just kind of a, a crazy experience. And so going at 18 was, was rough. Well, yeah. You know? I guess that is kind of interesting to think about. Cause you just go from high school to all of a sudden, Oh, moving to another state for two years mm-hmm. to live with people I've never met before yeah. and to go and do this thing that, well, we have things that can prepare us, but you're just kind of, Hey, go, go and do this thing that you've never done before. That would be kind of interesting. I've never thought about it that way. So different perspective to think of. Well, awesome. We were able to go out to your mission and visit it. And I, it was, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. People were just so nice and welcoming to us. And they, you had a good connection with the people there. So they were excited to be able to see you again. And that was a lot of fun to be able to go out and visit your area as a family. All right. I did want to address a question from way back when we were little that maybe not many people who know you know this about you, but you actually were diagnosed for a time with cerebellitis. Mm -hmm. Do you mind expanding on that just a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cerebellitis is this really rare illness, disease, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, it's just where the cerebellum in the back of your, your head, um, which controls your motor functions, like moving your arms and your legs for me became like just swollen. It, it swelled up with water and it was, it was really interesting because I, I don't know the, the, the correct, most accurate statistics. I only know what mom tells me. And, right. and recently mom told me, I, I guess like number four or something in the, the United States. I was like the fourth known case. Of yeah. The fourth case known in the United States. I, every day, like I always worry that the other three, something worse happened. I hope they all made it. And so I guess like, yeah, my cerebellum, it just swelled up. And since because it was so rare, the doctors didn't know what to do. I did many MRIs and stuff. I, I was five at the time. So like, I don't, I just know what pretty much people tell me. I don't really remember much. Uh, it took forever for them to diagnose. Um, they went back from back and forth from tumors to something else all the time. And they finally found it. It got kind of, kind of freaky because there was one night where I was so unstable and everything that, uh, apparently the doctors told mom and dad that they asked them you know if they were prepared to lose me i i guess right yeah if i can interject just a little bit of sometimes of what i remember of you just saying you would just scream and cry that your head was hurting and you would just hold your head and scream and you know us being your sisters we were just annoyed we're like stop crying (laughs) but we didn't know what was going on and mom and dad didn't know what was going on so they took you to the doctors they couldn't tell what was going on and then finally after multiple doctor visits we went to the hospital mom and dad took you and it was just at such a bad condition the doctor had said are you prepared to lose your son tonight because it had gotten to such a bad point and 
as parents, like, what do you do with that? I, they told us that they just went back to the car and cried and prayed of knowing what to do and for comfort. But as we can see, that was not the case. Thank <laughs> heavens for that. I, I honestly, like I said, I don't, I don't remember really anything from it. Actually, there is some stuff that I remember. Mm -hmm. I remember the nurses and doctors, whenever they walked into the room, that meant that I was just going to get more needles and mm -hmm. IVs into my arm. And so I remember that I would cry my head off whenever they walked into the room because uh, at that age, the needles just terrified me. And mm -hmm. so I just hated it. My go-to show was Thomas the Train on Aww. the, on the big TV that was in there. That calmed me down. And it was, it was like, I, I just loved it. I don't know what I had, the whole thing, but Thomas and I were, were pretty tight, I guess. I, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I uh, I think grandma made me bowling pins yes. out of two liter soda bottles and put M&Ms in mm -hmm. it. And I would go to the playroom that they had at Primary Children's and I would bowl with those with a little ball and I would eat the M&Ms. I also remember getting a, uh, a a dancing Santa one time mm -hmm. for Christmas because I think I was there over Thanksgiving. And, and, yeah. and it was uh, really cool. And it, I, I loved that dancing Santa. I don't think we have it anymore. But I Ooh, That's because we played it so much. <laughs> we broke I'm it. I'm pretty sure we busted it, yeah. It was definitely a, a crazy experience. I just remember that I'm like, wow, I, I must be pretty popular because I remember the doctors would always bring around all of these nurses or whatever that I'm pretty sure at the time were interns uh -huh. just because I was such a I was such an anomaly mm -hmm. in there. And so they uh, took they, they brought everyone in who was studying. You had a lot of like, researchers. Yeah, to see come what and, this do it, and do all this stuff. And uh, yeah, and, and, and then it was also really crazy because I do remember the day that I woke up and mom came into the room and she threw a ball with me. I found out later that when mom was throwing this ball, it was because doctors were looking in through a camera on the other side. And this was to test my motor skills oh. uh, and everything because they were they, they found out what was wrong. They finally found out that it was my cerebellum that had swollen and it was filled with liquid and they needed to drain it. And so they finally found out what was wrong. And so mom came in to throw the ball with me because they wanted to find if they were to cut into my cerebellum, would it all of a sudden just explode? Or mm -hmm. would it be stable enough for them to even perform an oh. operation? And so throwing this ball tested my motor skills and gave them a grasp of what my uh, stability was. And I, I, I guess I passed because <laughs> uh, they came in and, you know, obviously they put me out. So all I remember is waking up and then all of a sudden I had staples that they were putting into my head. And mm -hmm. I just remember being put on pain meds. And stuff, and then a couple of days after that, they they let me go, yeah. and I, I was I was good to go and everything. And, and the doctor said that there is just that this is not coming back. He said that this is so rare; it's just not going to happen again. And I also remember that when I left, they gave me this. I think it was like this bear, this like primary mm -hmm. children's bear or whatever, and that was like I. I love that bear. <laughs> yeah. I, I carried it with me everywhere, and it was yeah. uh, a crazy time. And you know, it really was a crazy time, but I also think about such great blessings of other people we had. Because during this time, mom and dad were with you in the hospital a lot. So our Aunt Sandra and Uncle Roger came out with their family um, and spent Thanksgiving with us girls. Because like you said, you were over um, in the hospital during Thanksgiving. So mom and dad would switch back and forth. But Aunt Sandra and Uncle Roger were there for us. And they really took care of us girls for the longest time and made sure that we had a happy holiday with our parents and our brother gone. So that was a blessing. We also had 
a blessing of the missionaries coming over with toys and gifts, saying, um, letting us know that they were from Santa and they had brought that over. Or there was this one time, I will remember this day forever, that our doorbell just rung and so we went to the door and there was just bags of groceries on our doorstep. And never in my, well, in that, <laughs> my young years, I guess, I never thought of how much getting somebody groceries, what a blessing that was because clearly our time and money was going towards you know medical bills and helping you out that someone had thought that you know they could probably use some groceries so they just bought us bags of groceries and what a blessing that was to be able to see the kindness and love from those around us and how much they supported you and our whole family from this is there anything that you remember like a takeaway that has impacted your life i know it's from a young age but is there anything that is still relatable to you even now almost 20 years later i think when i i think about it i don't remember i don't remember feeling like my life was in jeopardy i, I was five at the time i just remembered that i was sitting in this I was laying down in this hospital bed and people were coming in. I don't remember feeling like, oh my gosh, this might be the end. But now that I'm older and, you know, I understand more of what that was all about. Uh, I think what the biggest takeaway that I came is that there was this night, uh, we talked about it, that uh, I was on, I was on this, on this cliff and I guess to give a percentage uh, the last time I asked mom, mom told me that the doctors gave her a percentage of 95% chance of dying mm -hmm. and 5% chance of survival. Mm -hmm. I think about it now and I think about, wow, like on that time I was on this cliff, you know, and, and I would 95 to 5%, I would, I would definitely say that I was slipping off of, of this cliff here, uh, this cliff between dying and life. And I'm kind of in the middle of it. You know, that day meant that day meant so much because I think about it a lot. I, I, I even tried doing some research on cerebellitis and seeing if they got any more and I couldn't pull up anything. It appears like still what? nobody still even knows what this is or whatever. I, I thought about it and I, th I think about this from time to time. How different would it all be if that night the opposite did happen? Mm -hmm. You know, my my cerebellum did burst. I passed away and I moved on as time goes on. I, I'm just not around or anything. And I think about that a lot. And I think about the friends that I've made, the things that I've done for uh, for family and the, the, the trials that I've overcome in life and, and the people that I've hoped that I've helped. And I think about that and I'm like, you know what? Like at that moment in my life, that could have all been, that could have all just been not there. Like my life could have been gone. It, it may not have like even happened. You know, that was just kind of, kind of a crazy thought for me to think of. And so I think about that a lot and uh, I really think it affects me today because I try to, I, I want to live my life in a way that that day of where I don't remember a whole lot, but on that day where my, my body or myself or God, where I was given life instead of death, that that day meant something. It was a relevant day. It, it was a day that represented a life and it represent a time where the where I was going to be a person where my life was not only going to be a good experience for myself, but that I was going to spend my life and my days trying to make other people's lives better. Thank you. And as we've said, here we are almost 20 years later and going to school and being able to study. And I know you're loving your school experience. So go ahead. Let's talk about 
your school. We all know I love BYU Idaho. <laughs> I had the best years of my life there, and so I will be a fan of that forever. So yeah, please talk about your school and the blessing this has been able to bring. Yeah, you. I remember the the like the rivalry that I had going on, like in the family. I guess I I chose BYU Idaho, and the first thing I get was Chantel being like, "Why'd you choose BYU Idaho? Why'd you choose that place? Why don't you come like?" <laughs> and uh, you know, it was just kind of, it was just kind of fun. But I've loved my experience up at BYU Idaho. It has been, it's been great. Uh, I, I would honestly say that I think that I have uh, learned and grown and developed more at BYU Idaho than I have on my mission. And sometimes we think about that and we think about, oh my gosh, what? How could your mission not be the most learning and growing? I'm not saying that. That's because def definitely my mission mm -hmm. taught me so much and it converted me to the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the things that I learned, uh, the things that I learned and just grew to know. And it was, it was definitely a wonderful experience. But at school, I had so many trials to overcome and I just, I, I learned so much more about myself because I had the gospel. The gospel was there with me. There was, there was church to go to. I had friends to talk to. I had wonderful mentors and it was great. But I also had that added what my potential is. You know, you have classes and those classes can really kick your butt sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to push through those classes to get the good grades and everything. And, and not only that, but you also have what you're, you're capable of. I found out a lot about myself, especially in my first semester. I found out that when I have a ton of stress, it just triggers so much stuff into me. It triggers anxiety. It triggers depression. And I just want to close up and just go into this hole and not really face anything. But I found out that I can push through it. I found out that I'm stronger than I am. I found out that I, I found out that I can do a lot more things. I found out that I can learn. I, I think one of the greatest things that we can learn in life is learning how to learn. And that's what mm -hmm. my first semester taught me. It was a wonderful development time for me. You know, and I got to say, I made time. I had the greatest ward ever my first and second semesters of school. I had the greatest ward ever. I made so many friends. I had such a good time. We did so many cool, awesome activities. Uh, a lot of friends that I could just talk to and, and kind of uh, figure out things like figure out school, figure out, uh, figure out how to deal with anxiety and depression or whatever. Like I just had a lot of that type of stuff and it just, it made me grow and develop into the type of person that I wanted to be. And there was definitely a lot of that on my mission, but school really drove it home for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it made me want to affect other people in a positive manner. I, I like, if anyone who knows me knows that I am a fan of positive peer pressure because we talk about peer pressure a lot as being like this negative thing that we have in our life because peer pressure is usually brought up by some immoral activity like uh, drugs or whatever, pressure to do drugs or, or stuff like that. But I am such a fan of the positive peer pressure, being that guy who wants to be around the kid who may not have a ton of friends, being that guy who is an example of going through hard things and succeeding at them and believing in yourself. And I, I just love that positive peer pressure that we can provide to everyone. And school taught me so much about that and I loved it. But I also faced a lot of trials while I was up there. Like I said, mm -hmm. I had anxiety and depression. Right. Um, if you don't mind, if we touch on that for a bit, 
were these things you were dealing with before you went to school or and they just um it emphasized a bit more at school or did it did you notice them more at school like what's that road kind of been like um i think that i definitely had it before i came to school i don't think it was something that was just brought on to me at school i think that i had it all through growing up i realized that starting around about the age of 10 I started having these moments of my heart would just start pounding like really super fast and I couldn't calm down and I really had no idea why my heart was pounding fast. Like I would just be doing stuff like watching television. I, I wouldn't be doing anything like really crazy and my heart would just pound fast. And I, I remember like my heart would pound fast. My eyes would get, I would just start seeing like everything would just like start getting blurry. At and 10 years old, you experience, start experiencing. I, I, I don't know exactly when, but I would but say at a young age, wow. Well, yeah. Um, and, and things kind of started just kind of getting crazy like that. And, and I didn't really know what to do with it. I thought about it and I was just kind of like, well, I don't really know what it is. I knew that it didn't make me feel good. There was a mm -hmm. lot of times where I, uh, cried myself to sleep because I just didn't know what to do. And I just, my emotions would be running so high. And I was just kind of like, well, I don't, I really care to tell anyone because what are they going to do about it? It's my problem. Like, what are they going to do? And, and it's almost hard to put into words. Yeah. Like, how do you explain what your body is doing and you don't understand why it's yeah. doing it? And so it was just, it was just kind of weird uh, to think about. And then like that, that happened all the way until I left on to my mission and on my mission, it, it continued. And I, I definitely had these experiences. And, you know, of course, by that age, I, I had a little bit more grasp and intelligence of, okay, uh, there, there is this thing called anxiety attacks, uh, depression and stuff. And so I was thinking while I was on my mission, I was like, all right, well, I think that's what I think that's what I'm dealing with. And so I, I get off my mission and, and this all just still continues. And it continued when I was up at school and it made it really hard for when this continued when I was up at school because I, I would get these anxiety attacks and it caused me not to act like how I normally, I would normally act. It, it caused me to, I, I just, I just wasn't a fun guy to be around. But like after these anxiety attacks, I would just like, if I would go over and watch a movie, I'd just kind of sit and watch the movie, not really say a whole much, a whole lot. And then like, I'll just kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm leaving now. I'm, I'm going to go home. And then I would just leave. And I, I didn't really party or have fun with anyone that night. It was just kind of show up, not really do a whole lot. And then just kind of leave because I was just dealing with this anxiety and, and it kind of got hard after a while because people would start confronting me about it. And I, it was hard because I would just tell them like, I don't, I really don't know how to explain this mm -hmm. to you. I, I think what's happening is this is anxiety and whatever, but I don't really know. Like, I, I, I don't really know how to explain it. And, uh, it, it would just get, it would just get rough and it caused a lot of relationships and friendships that I have. It caused a lot of them to just, uh, to just kind of end. It was, it was just, it was really rough. I, I think anxiety and everything triggered a response to me to where I got a little bit more callous and aggressive towards things because I, I guess I took kind of anxiety. I thought of it kind of like as a weakness or whatever. And I, uh, and so it caused me to say things and do things that weren't me. And I should have, like, I just, I just shouldn't have acted that way. And I lost a lot of friends that happened up at college. And it was, it was a really hard time for me because it, it just stirred my judgment that I, uh, I, I felt like I, I gained, I gained a hundred friends, but I felt like I lost a thousand. 
Really? And uh, it, it was just a really, really hard time for me because, it, it, you know, it obviously gets to the point where uh, I, I, I just felt like I drove everyone away from me and like it just got hard because then like other thoughts start setting in. And, and I, I, I never wanted to take medicine because I thought medicine would show people that I'm vulnerable and I hate showing people that I'm vulnerable. I absolutely hate it. Uh, I'm sure as, as you know, being in the family, y'all ask me about it all the time and I, 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 sh I shut up. I don't talk about it or I, I don't mm -hmm. like to talk about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I'll have moments where I'll be like, I want to talk about it and I will, but it was, it was definitely a rough time. And I think that also helped me learn and grow just because, you know, difficulty, it propels you into growth when you have difficulty in your life. Mm -hmm. And so it helps me learn and to grow of things of how to deal with it more and more. And I finally accepted uh, taking medication, which has been wonderful. Medication uh, is such a blessing. Yeah, I think I'm so grateful mm -hmm. that God has given us wonderful doctors who have developed these medications to help us because, man, they have helped me so much. Mm -hmm. And staying busy also really helps me and everything. But I think that up at school, that was just such a big factor. And I don't know, there's a lot of things that I would like to take back. But at the same time, I also learned and grew from my my school experiences thus far. And I go back in April. So like, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens then when I, when I go back. I, I feel like I'm doing so much better and stuff. So I, I think it will be a good experience for me. But we'll find out. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for sharing those with us. And uh, we definitely know in our family that mental illness can be a real thing and what people struggle with. And sometimes it's so hard to talk about because it's nothing at times. It's nothing you can physically see, but it's important to be addressed. So thank you for opening up about that and and your struggles of um with that going to school figuring things out serving a mission and the miracle of being able to survive from cerebralitis and coming to do these things you touched a lot on these good and these um hardships in life and my question for you is why fight through the hard things why do you keep going to want to pursue an education to want to go through this um, anxiety and depression to continue on what is it to you that gives you this drive and this purpose in life i honestly think that you know for as much as i want to be successful for myself i think that i also want to just be successful and be an example for the people around me uh i think i've been giving i have been given in my life like i've been given so much I have two wonderful parents that love me. I have a family that, that loves me. And I want that drive and that passion that comes so that I can be there for my family in, in times of, in times of need. I love reaching for my goals. I love looking for that. And, and then, like I said, life is not easy by any, any means. Life is not easy at all. Sometimes, sometimes I think a huge misconception about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this misconception that like, oh, well, right now you're, you're a member of that church because it just almost seems like you're a member of that church because life hasn't driven you to a hard enough point yet to where you would do something else, like go out and drink with your friends to numb the pain or, or whatever like that. Like, uh, it just seems like, oh, well, if you're a member of the church, your life is just 
it's just roses. It's it's a wonderful life that you have being a member of the church. And that is definitely not true <laughs> by any means at all. Uh, like I said, cerebralitis was, I don't remember much from it, but I definitely know that on my family, it took a huge toll. And I don't like that. I don't like that. It took a huge toll on the family. I don't, I don't like that. It was even a thing that the family had to go through as a trial. I definitely have struggled with anxiety and depression. And I, I definitely have felt some times where I just, I pray and I've been praying to a God that didn't want to listen to me and just told me no to a lot of different things. And I, I, I've, I've, I've had that happen before. You know, I felt those feelings before, but I definitely know that it's, it's not true. None of that is true. God has always been there for me. He has always blessed me. He's always helped me. Um, and he has always lifted me up in my, in my hardest moments. And I know that because I'm still here and life is still, it's still difficult. It's still hard, but I know that I still have a school to go to. I know that I have an education that I am pursuing. I know that I just completed a, a very fun, awesome internship at Polaris. Uh, I know that I have a family who has also remained strong in the gospel. You know, the, the none, no trial will ever take that away from me when I have a sure knowledge, the understanding that God is in charge and that God will bless. I I guess to go, go back, there's one experience that I found out actually later down the road that uh, Stephanie shared an experience with me when I had cerebralitis. She shared this experience with me. And just letting people know Stephanie is our other sister. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie shared this experience with me that uh, when I was in the hospital with cerebralitis, she was uh, so mad that I uh, had cerebralitis and that I was in the hospital. And she just wanted, she, she told me about an experience that she had where one night she started yelling at God because I had cerebralitis and she just wanted that to, she just really didn't want me to go through that or face that. And uh, the next day she gets the news that I was uh, healed and uh, that I could have an operation and, you know, ultimately will be healed. And uh, then she told me about how she uh, prayed that night and asking for forgiveness for yelling. And she told me, she, she told me that how could she be so upset at the only person that could have healed me? That has just been such a huge experience for me, such an eye-opening experience because I think about the trials that I go through and I think about those nights where I feel like God has refused to answer my prayers. And I think about how I was, I, I was mad for a long time, probably for like a year of going through anxiety and depression and wondering why me, like why, why do I go through it and why does it affect me so much? Why does it change who I am? And I just remember thinking about that. But at the end of the day, that experience always pops back into my head. And I always think, how can I be so upset at the one person who can heal all my trials? And I think that that's definitely something that I think about all the time. And it really, it really strikes, strikes me because it's such a powerful experience. And God has given me so, so much. The scriptures are an amazing tool and they just build my testimony so much in the gospel and i i love the small spiritual experiences that i have i know that i know at the end of the day when we are struggling and life is hard god is still there to to bandage my wounds and to help me through these hard times and i i definitely have felt that in my life god has done so much for me i there's just no way not now and not ever could i give up on him 
even though there's been so many times that I've wanted to. And that is why I still believe. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us and sharing those experiences with us. Thank you.